When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? All right, welcome into another Auburn Live show. I am Justin Hokinson from AuburnLive.com, part of the On3 Sports Network. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, as we always do, it's, mo- it's the Monday morning quarterback edition of our show, and that means former Auburn quarterback Ben Leard is with us as we talk about uh, this Auburn and South Carolina football game and um, and where the Tigers go from here, Ben. Um, you know, another collapse, um, different circumstances, similar, you know, same result, um, different different situations, but but ultimately Auburn blows another lead. Um, as we record this on a Sunday afternoon, most people will listen to this late Sunday night or Monday morning, most of them. Um, what are your thoughts on, uh, on, on the game, how it went down? Just kind of just start wherever you want on, on that one, my man. Oh, thoughts on the game, thoughts on the result. Uh, saying that I am disappointed is an understatement. Disappointed in losing to South Carolina, most importantly. Disappointed in having – this be Auburn's third consecutive loss. Um, you know, I, you can you can chalk up the A and M loss as a, a a very very quality opponent on the road. A lot of things were stacked against Auburn as far as what they were up against, but Mississippi State was an absolute meltdown. And then I I'm sorry, but the lose to South Carolina whether it's in Columbia or whether it's in Auburn is just inexcusable. And especially to have a 14 to zero lead and you just absolutely collapse offensively and defensively. It it just, I, I I just, I I can't, I can't find anywhere that you can, that you can say, Oh, where they turned the ball over too many times or there were too many, you know, uh, stupid mistakes with regards to penalties and unsportsmanlike conducts and you know things like that. It just they just got beat. They they got beat, and that is not that is that that's not the level of expectation that I'm certain that Brian Harson has, or Mike Bobo, or Derek Mason, or whomever is is at any position coaching these young men, and it's certainly not the expectation these players have. But it sure as hell is not the expectation of Auburn in general. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, 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 I hate to sound negative or, or throwing shade on anybody, but because trust me, I, we lost our fair share of games when I was playing. So um, it's just to lose to South Carolina, it's just, it, it, that's just a bad, it's just bad. I mean, it really, really is bad to lose to Carolina 
that is an absolute in disarray as a program and it be your third consecutive loss. I mean, it is, it, you, you want to say that you can go back to the drawing board or it's time to go back to the drawing board, but my God, at this point, you're looking at playing in the iron bowl and it is, I know it's the iron bowl and everybody can, you know, put perfume on a pig, but I, it's going to be tough, man. I mean, it's going to be tough to watch, especially as poorly as the defense has been playing over the last two weeks. It is going to be extremely hard to stomach. Yeah, Auburn opens uh, 18, 21-point underdogs at home um, against Alabama. Um, you know, I'm, I'm with you, obviously, on the South Carolina loss. It, it's, it, was, it was very different than the Mississippi State loss. Um, you know, I thought Mississippi State made a lot of plays, and look, they're they're a better football team. They're they're a decent football team. South Carolina was different. Um, <clears throat> you know, you look at that game. Uh, you know, Auburn held. If I told you that Auburn was going to rush for 191 yards, they're going to commit no turnovers. They're going to force a turnover. Um, they're going to hold South Carolina to one of nine on third down. Tank's going to go for 164. There, you're, you would say nine out of ten Auburn wins that game. I mean, I could, probably could have named you know any amount of money, and you probably would have been like, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet Auburn wins that football game. Um, and so it was just an odd game where Auburn held Carolina under their yards average and their points average. Auburn's defense it was weird. I thought overall they played okay. I thought they played fine. They 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 made some mistakes. Obviously, giving up containment on the perimeter, not guarding not guarding the running back out of the backfield a couple times. Um, were big mistakes, giving up a touchdown on fourth and three. But you look at the numbers, they sacked him four times, uh, Jason Brown. And so, you know, the defense played well enough on the road to win. They weren't great. They were they were not great. Um, they, but they, they played, they they played not, well enough. They played good enough that that loss, I don't – I just don't – I don't put it on, on the defense in, in the end. The only knock is – they gave up touchdowns and not field goals, and that's what they've done the last two weeks. It's turned into before it was giving up yards, but not points. The last two weeks, it's turned into touchdowns. That that's well, that's the big difference. Uh, well, it, and this can go for the entire team. It's it's not making the plays when they need to be made. That's yeah. that's the problem. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's. Giving up containment on on Zaquandre number Zaquandre Evans number eleven multiple times, multiple times, which led to big gashes in the running game, losing losing him in pass pro or excuse me in pass coverage, which led to the first touchdown. Giving up a touchdown on fourth and three, they they did not have any any turnovers with regards to interceptions or fumbles. But the turnover on downs was, uh, you know, look, and yeah. I, I would tell, I would tell anybody this, that was not a good play call. I mean, I, I that was, it, it's, it's fourth and short. They have shown no sign of stopping you in running the football. Why in the world are you trying to throw a twenty-yard corner ball? I, I, and I don't get. It. And set but, that up because I want I, I want to get into that and I want you to break that down. I want your opinion on that because I thought after the game that play, and I thought the 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 the, the Auburn screwing up their second and four. TJ fumbles 
then they throw was, incomplete and they miss a field goal. That 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 that's that events. Yep. But the fourth the fourth down call obviously is well talked about. Um, I want to set that up because I want I want your opinion. So it's it's fourth and one. You're on the Auburn 35. There's about three minutes to go before halftime. You're up 14-7. And they decided to, one, go for it, and two, to run that play. Harson defended the play afterwards, saying, clearly that's something they worked on, they they saw, they thought. That's their MO, out of timeouts, out of situations like that to try to catch the team. Like So he defended the call and didn't really second-guess the call. But take me through your thinking on, one, going for it, and two, the call there – 13, th- three minutes to go to halftime, 14, seven, you know, just, just and I, take it from there. So, so if you line it up, right, I, I like, I like rolling the dice and going for it. I, I do not question the decision for going for it on fourth down up until that point, And even throughout the, the entire ball game, South Carolina showed zero ability to stop Auburn and running with, and running the football, zero. That, but I, but I did not like the play call. So you, you've got one, the decision to go for it, which I applaud. I thought it was a great decision. And secondly, the decision of the play call that is that was not it to me. You 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 you've got a fullback in the backfield. You've got Tank Bigsby lined up at tailback, who's gashing Carolina, and you're doing what you want to at the line of scrimmage. In my opinion, that was not the opportunity to try and catch them doing something that they weren't going to expect. Get the first down, sustain the drive, go up potentially, go into half up 21 to seven, worst case scenario, 17 to seven, and just bleed it out. that That was a prime example of overthinking things, in my opinion overthinking the situation, overthinking the scenario and trying almost being greedy in, in, in a sense, you know, just get the first down, get the first down. You're guaranteed another, another three plays. <clears throat> then maybe do something that you've seen them do or they're showing the ability to do. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't like Harson's response in defending the call that, You've got a kid in his in his first Auburn start on the road. Up until that point, I, I thought TJ had played had played well. You know, he had, he had played decent at that point. But putting that fourth and short, fourth and one, mind you, with him being six seven two fifty, hell, run a quarterback sneak, or or give it a tank. I, I just the play call was very questionable, along with the tunnel screen on third and eight. When the game was in the balance in the fourth quarter, I, you know, there hindsight's always twenty twenty. But that situation on the turnover and on downs, and the other, the other, the fumble on the four, when clearly Auburn had Carolina on their heels, they were gashing them running the football, and we all knew who was getting the football, and it was going to be successful. Just mishandling that snap which ultimately led to a missed field goal was just absolutely I mean it was it was a crushing scenario for Auburn because defensively they could not they could not stymie South Carolina on offense versus Auburn's defense. 
Yeah, um, I think those two those two turn of events were basically the ball game. Um, I mean, I think the first one, <clears throat> it's either potentially um, you know points for Auburn, but or or taking points off the board for Carolina, and then the second one is taking points more points off the board for Auburn. Um, if those two are easily avoidable, easily yeah. avoidable, we're not talking about dramatic things here. I mean, and there's a lot of things that happen in a football game that you can point to. Um, but those two are glaring, glaring um, points in the game, not just because of the plays that happened, but the momentum that happened off of them. I mean, they were just they were just monumental plays. And I'm with you on the fourth and one. I mean, I think um, the thought of the play is not a bad thought. If you're thinking fourth and one, you think the defense is going to bite up and play the run, and you can sneak somebody as fast as Robertson behind them. It's like that's not a bad that's not a bad thought at all, um, but the risk of running that play on your own thirty-five versus the reward of just sneaking it and, and, and keeping the ball there that that's where I don't think it was weighed out. I right. said I told somebody I said like if if that game's twenty-one-seven Auburn and you're at midfield, you know m- maybe you can swallow that call, um, but there only up a touchdown. Um, at your own 35, right before halftime, and they get the ball coming out of the second half. Everything about that situation was risky. Going for it, period, everything about that was fairly risky. You don't need to add risk by doing that play call versus sneaking your 6-7 quarterback or giving it to your running back that was having you know a what it. You know what it does tell me, and this is sheer speculation on my part. It tells me that, and this was this was – this was how Coach Tuberville operated. It tells me that Brian Harson is probably not aware of the actual play call that that is going into the game, as far as what is actually going to be called and or executed. He runs, he runs the ship from the standpoint of saying "go for it" or "fake it," and beyond that, that's all on the offensive side of the ball. I, I'm, I'm probably incorrect in that, but I would hope that or would think that if he knew that play call going in and the scenario of the risk versus reward, meaning the likelihood of completion, let's think of how badly things can go if you do not get it. And you can't play scared. But at the same time, you've got to play wise. You've got to be smart. And like you said, one of the biggest things, I mean, that ultimately could have been a could have been a 14-point swing in the sense that they go down and score and then they get the ball to start the third quarter. So and and you know, and and one of the that's kind of why I say that is thinking thinking of the risk versus reward and understanding the total dynamic of what the play call what's going on or could happen, you would think that if he was aware of it had that much grasp of what potentially was going on or could happen, he would say, no, we're not doing that. Run the damn ball. Get the first down. If you want to do it on third down, you know, by all means, or get yourself down down inside South Carolina territory and then try that type of a play, you know, at some point when, when there's – you give them – if you're not successful, they still have to go 60, maybe 70 as yeah. opposed to 30. It just that whole dynamic of that scenario just is in my 
was not well thought out. It, it, yeah. you, they, they, well, I say not well thought out. It was almost like they, they overthought it. They, they looked for the perfect scenario, and we all know that that doesn't happen. Just get the first down. Live to play another play. It, it's it's fourth and one with a six foot seven, two hundred fifty pound quarterback. It's a no brainer. I don't care who. I don't care if it's Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson. It doesn't matter. You are in the high probability with a kid like that under center. You're yeah. gonna get you're gonna get one stinking yard. Yeah. But you know, I, I'm I mean I get I get aggravated thinking about it. And you know everybody everybody is quick to talk about this you know, muffed punt, right? It shouldn't, it shouldn't have come to that. Right. You know, I, I thought it was a BS call in my opinion, you know, it, it, it was, there was not enough there to overturn the call, which is which plays to the subjectivity of the original calls in the first place. But when it's all said and done, we should not have an opinion on the muffed punt because it shouldn't have been an issue. It should have been a moot point. Auburn should have won by two touchdowns, 17 points, 21 points, whatever the scenario may be. It should have been a walk-off and been done. So you don't have the ability to put the game in the official's hands to cost you win, or win lose, or draw. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I mean, I think Chandler Wooten said that after the game. He, he kind of hit me. He had a good response. He said, um, you know, it, it, should, it shouldn't come down to the officials. But that was a very disappointing call. Yep. Um, and so I thought that's a fair way to look at it. And, um, yeah, and, and that's right. Auburn lost that game for a myriad of reasons. Um, but that was an atrocious uh, – that's as bad a call as you will see, in my opinion. I, I thought yes. that was horrendous. A week after Moultrie's targeting call, I wonder what that discussion is going to be like this week because that, that, that cannot – Happen. It cannot happen. And we're not, again, we're not blaming the Auburn loss. Let's get, be clear. But that call cannot happen. There was not evidence. Evidence did not exist to, to conclusively show what happened with that football. So to it, overturn it was right. insane. Insane. Right. And, and, insane. And, and let's, let's play devil's advocate to it. If, if the official, if the official would have deemed that a fumble on the original call yeah then 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 our argument would be the same thing there's not enough there to overturn the no call. shot that's overturned no whatever shot. whatever the call is should have been the call there was nothing on the video replay that would conflict with the call on 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 either side yeah i agree with you that was I, that was horrendous Terrible. that was an awful 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 call. I mean, yeah. it it was, it was pathetic, and um, the you know the officiating, the officials that that needs to go, that needs to go into the real for next year for the officiate the officials to look at what not to do and how to handle it. Yeah, and it just so happens to be unfortunately that Auburn was the was the recipient of that of that job there. Yeah, I want to know. I would love to have been in that conversation. I mean, because the only the only way you can say whether that ball touched is if there is an angle that is showing you the leg and the ball and whether and is there space or not. I mean, th that angle didn't exist. You can't right. look at it from the football's here and then the leg is here. That's not the angle you need. You, you, there's so the angle didn't exist. So I I mean, whoever made that call is quite frankly an idiot. 
Yeah. They're just not, they're not a smart person. They either don't understand what conclusive means or, or, or they don't understand angles or, 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 or percent. Like, I don't know what, the, I don't know what they understand or what they don't understand. They're just, whoever made that call either had an agenda or they're not a smart human being. Um, that's how stupid that call was. Um, and, and look, the officiating was, was kind of bad throughout the game. Multiple face masks were missed. I tweeted out another face mask that was missed on Tank at the end of the first half. Auburn should have had a 15-yard penalty and had an untimed down from the 18-yard line. Clear face mask. Yep. Didn't call it. Didn't, didn't call it. Now, again, we're sitting here talking about, well, that shouldn't come down to it. Maybe, maybe. But if that's called and Auburn attempts a field goal from the 18 and hits it, well, I mean, it, those things matter. And so we're not blaming the Auburn loss on that, but but when it's egregious, we're going to talk about it because it matters in a four point game. That stuff matters. Right. So well, and, and 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 my question too, though, Hoke is, and, and this is all the the rule books, right? If if they can initiate, if if the booth can initiate a targeting review, why can't why can't they go back and say, hey, they missed a face mask? You know, I mean, I, I, they're either not paying me, attention or they're just they just don't care. It was the, the clock at zero and they just said, nah, forget it. Who cares? That's right. I, I know. I mean, it's 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 really aggravating. I mean, it is. And I'm sure it's this way for any team that's on that's on the, you know, on the job end of a call. I, I get it because unfortunately in the SEC, there are a whole lot more instances, regardless of where your allegiance lies, of poor officiating than what we witnessed throughout the entire country. For some reason, the the officiating in the SEC, whether you're pulling for Alabama, whether you're pulling for Auburn, Georgia, whomever it may be, there is there is some bad officiating that is being conducted on Saturdays in the SEC. Yeah, and I think the frustrating part is there's no there's no public accountability. That's what that's probably the most annoying thing about it is Brian Harson will have a conversation with somebody this week. It'll be off the record. That's it. It'll be behind yep. the scenes, and then he's not allowed to talk about it. And we all are left to wonder what was said. Did they own up right. to it? Like, and so that's that's the joke. Everybody's got to own up to stuff except the refs, unless it's just an unbelievably obvious high exposure national TV. Rarely do we get a statement. Uh, there should have been something after the game. Those refs or something. That, there should be an explanation of here's exactly why we overturned it. We saw 100% the ball. They should say that. Then we can look at it and go, well, no, you didn't because it doesn't exist. So now we know you're lying, or or, or hey, we missed it, or that explanation doesn't make sense. So I, I would love to see that change in college football where officiating um, has to be held uh, accountable. We we should get a statement from the lead official. Uh, he should have a press conference. I mean, he should, you should be able to ask him questions. Hey, on this call, what exactly was the call here? What was the ruling? I mean, why is everything closed door with them and you never and you never know? And, and Brian Harson after the game, has to take the high road and say, I didn't think it touched him on the punt, but that was the call and, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, it's just ridiculous. And if he comes out and well, says, and, I thought it was a ridiculous call, it made no sense at all, they're going to fine him. That, that's, right. that dynamic has got to – it, it's got to be it's got to be adjusted and it look and it's that way for not just Brian Harson it's that way for all the head coaches yeah I mean they they all have to bite their tongue every single Saturday because of the lack of accountability and the officiating and and that's frustrating 
that that you the you're you're talking about a situation where it's highly emotional, and the these guys these coaches and then these players that can't speak their mind from the standpoint of man that was garbage, that was a horrible call, that was pathetic. It you know you don't you you can't you can't confidently say that it cost you the game but you can say it had a direct impact on the potential result. Absolutely. And, absolutely. And so that you, you have to applaud the discipline of the coaches and then most importantly, applaud the discipline of the players at, at whatever school to not just absolutely rake these officials through the coals yeah. because there are situations where they, they by God deserve it and, and not, you know, they get, they get, they get escorted into the stadium and they get rushed and escorted out and you don't see them. You don't see them anymore. No. And man, when you are, when you are making calls as poorly as they are making on a weekend and week out basis for against all teams in the sec. And I'm not saying this, looking at it through orange and blue glasses, I could go watch. I, I saw horrible calls with in Alabama and Arkansas on Saturday. I saw horrible calls with with Georgia versus Charleston Southern. They exist, and they are doing it way more frequently than they are trained to do. But even in, when you make a poor call, there's nothing that anybody expects from these officials. Oh, okay, well, move on, play the next play. No, yeah. I'm sorry. There's 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 money on the line. There's livelihoods on the line. There's careers on the line. You need to make the right call, period. That's it. And if you don't, you need to explain why you did it, why you missed it. Um, I'm in complete agreement. Um, and, yeah, there's nothing more frustrating than, 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 than watching the refs call a, a, a bad game and then literally the hits, it hits zero. They sprint into the tunnel directly into a van that's waiting on them, and they're at the airport before we even get a chance to talk to Brian Harson. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, that needs to change. Um, Tank Bigsby, let's talk about him a little bit. Great night from Tank. Uh, a lot of criticism we heard on our message board for sure on on just kind of the unbalanced uh, workload for him. He had nine carries in the first quarter, two carries in the second quarter, eight carries in the third quarter, three carries in the fourth quarter. Um, he didn't get the ball in that fourth and one we're talking about. And the, the three carries in the fourth quarter – uh, the last one was about 10 minutes or so in the game. Um, and then Auburn only had one more possession because the one more possession was the four incompletions for Auburn. And then they were going to get the ball back for that third time and the muff punt and it overturns it. So Tank didn't touch the ball like basically because of that, the last 10 minutes of the game. Um, he had 22 carries for the game. He, he sh- The way he was running, he should have had 30. Um, what do you make of his game? What do you make of some of the criticism around – uh, not getting him the football more in, I, I would say certain situations. I mean, like I said, he yeah. had 22 carries, but I think there were, I think it was just, he'd get the ball, get the ball, get the ball. And then there'd be like a possession or there'd be t- a time, a, a period would go by and he wouldn't get the ball at all. And, and, and so it was, it was uh, I, I just unbalanced, I guess, in the way they, they used him. What was your take on, on his, his game and performance? Well, I mean, obviously the, the performance when he got the football, it was it was phenomenal. It was exceptional. The way he played, the things that he did, and how well he did. 
I, I thought it was I thought it was very very well, um, and and again, having having the amount of success that he had with twenty two touches, it obviously leads you to the assumption or the hope that he would have gotten more. You know, continue to feed him. I I haven't gone back and studied the game enough from the from a situational standpoint to see okay, was he getting two and three two and three consecutive touches? And were they, was he gassed? You know, were they, were they pulling him out and let him catch his breath and then putting him back in? Or was it a true rotation between him and Jarquez and potentially Shivers? But, you know, that the fourth quarter, the fourth quarter, in my opinion, they, they should have continued to, they should have fed him, period. There, there's no questions asked, especially on the second or on the last possession that Auburn had you you were yes you were losing the ball game you needed to convert you needed to drive the ball, the ball downfield but Tank had obviously or Auburn's offense had obviously shown the ability to do that on the ground you didn't have to put the entire game on TJ Finley's shoulders and say hey kid go win this game for us you have essentially the one of the best running backs in the SEC, if not the country, keep giving him the ball. He was he was gashing Carolina's defense. He was running the holes true. The offensive line was blocking well. And again, I you know, I, I think I think the criticism is fair with regards to asking the questions of why they did not continue to give the ball to Tank. I, you know, the only thing I have not done, and I'm guilty of this thus far, is gone back and looked at the scenarios you know when he was out of the game what what was the down and distance had he touched the ball in consecutive plays and maybe needed a breather you know something like that but at this point in the season at those particular situations in the ball game I don't care if you're tired or not tank I need you in the game I need to give you the football and I need you to I need you to produce and up until that point in the fourth quarter, he had shown the ability to produce every single time he touched the football. So not giving him the, him the ball as many times as they possibly could in the fourth quarter, I think was, I think is something in hindsight, Mike Bobo would like to change from an offensive perspective. Yeah. I would love to know Mike Bobo's thinking on, <clears throat> on what ended up being Auburn's last drive. Um, because um, I, I I'd have to go back and look. I think that's the one that started inside, right? And he completed a, a, a long ball to shed. They, they moved out from from their own. Um, they did. They started. They started that drive inside the inside yeah. the ten, inside the fifteen. He yeah. threw a he threw a good, a really really good play action stick opposed to Shedrick Jackson. Yeah, got them to probably the 30, 35 or so. They, they threw. I think they threw every down. Yeah, um, and it on was they tried to. They tried to complete it on a on a third and eight, third and nine. He threw a tunnel screen to Robertson that was just yeah. I, yeah. That, that that baffles me. Um, you know, I get I get the I get a hook route. I mean, I understand a dig route on a long third down, but a but a two yard tunnel screen, again, risk versus reward, right? What's the likelihood of that kid breaking that for a first down versus protection running a dig or a curl or something like that to convert that convert that third long that you know the play call that those those play calls in that particular drive I, I i wasn't 
I wasn't hundred percent on board with it all. Yeah. I think that's where the, I think that's where some of the criticism is going to come in because, um, you know, tank tank runs really hard. And so I understand there's times where he's gassed, you pull him out, put Jarquez Hunter in, but Jarquez only got four carries. So it's not like, it's not like Jarquez got 12. Uh, when he went in there, it's not like they put Jarquez and kept running the ball. I think Bobo gets into this, he's running and then it's time to throw. And then it's time to like, it's, uh, he wants to be balanced even when they're running the ball pretty well. And it's, I don't know, I just would love to know that philosophy. Like, wouldn't you keep doing it until they stop you, whereas Bobo almost preemptively goes away from it before they ever stop it so they won't ever stop it, if that makes any sense. Like, he moves away from the run to then throw to constantly keep him off balance versus he never wants to get in a situation where they run, 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 they pound up, and then now they know you're running – and then if they know you're running, maybe it makes you more predictable. So, I mean, I, I can sort of understand at times how what Bobo's thinking, but I, I think the going away from Tank, I would be curious to know is that last possession, the reason I ask, and I want to know your opinion. My thought was five minutes left in the game. If you play that like a normal drive, like we're going to run Tank and we're going to whatever, that might you, – you, you probably then run clock, and if you – Let's say that clock gets down to two minutes and you don't get a touchdown and you, you turn the ball over on downs, you're done. And I wondered, did he want two possessions versus – did he say, all right, we're, we're going to just be really aggressive. And if we don't, we don't run a lot of clock. And we'll, let's get a stop and let's get one more possession after that. Let's get two cracks at it versus putting our all, all our eggs in one basket, which he would have done if he starts running the ball and the clock starts going down. I have no idea. It was just a thought of why T- Tank didn't touch the ball on that – on that what ended up being the, the last well, and, possession. And, and, and again, that, that plays to my theory of if, if, that, if that ultimately was the thought, I, I personally think they're overthinking it in the sense that, okay, let's, let's play for two possessions as opposed to let's freaking go score now. Let's, let's use this possession as if it's our last opportunity to touch the ball and we put the ball in the hands of the best players. And if it happens to be tank and you have a five-minute drive, utilizing the fact they had three timeouts at that point as well, why why not? You know, live in the moment and don't yeah. overthink the situation. So I, I do I see where you're coming from and I understand I understand that 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 mentality. But then again, it's you know. I used to say a lot of times back when Tony Franklin was at Auburn, I used to get so frustrated and watching his watching his play calls, it literally was as if he had a play call sheet hope. And when he ran it, he scratched it off the list and never <laughs> went back to it. Yeah. I'm of the opinion, and I and I that's probably why I'm not a football coach. You run the play until they stop it. Well, you know what? You know what? It's what South Carolina did. Exactly. Well, hello. I was about to say that. Yes, they ran that. You can watch it. I'm saying he never said it after the game. He said it. Well, after the game. dude, before he even said it, my the people I was watching the game with got so sick of me saying same play, same play, same play. It was over and over and over again. Once again, we run into a situation of lack of execution and lack of adjustments defensively. Same scenario was against Mississippi State, but I, you know, I, again, I'm I'm not in the booth, 
I'm not on the sidelines. I don't have the, you know, the 25 second clock breathing down my neck and being able to be having to make a decision and, and be able to win ball games or convert third downs. But, you know, I just sometimes, sometimes you have to go back to the simplicity of it. It's not that difficult. You do something until it is stopped. And when I say stop, I don't mean it stopped the first time. They show you, your opponent shows you on multiple scenarios that they are not going to give you that play again. Then you move on. Then you don't come back, you don't come back to the well. But until they stop you, you grind it down their throat. And whatever, whatever play call that is, whether it's throwing or running, you do it and it stays at the top of your call sheet until they stop. Especially, especially on Saturday night. I mean, I, I thought I could see it on TV. I mean, I immediately was like, Tank's got a, an extra gear tonight. I mean, I said it multiple times in the first quarter. I was like, I think I even said after that, I said, look, Tank, if you need to give him a rest, fine. Uh, but but unless, unless he's dying, he, he needs to be back in there getting the carries, not Jarquez Tunner tonight. I said, because Tank's got something going on. Yeah. And uh, – and, and even more so that night, he need he needed to be fed. He needed 25, 27, 30 carries. Um, he needed to be fed. And that's a game where you – I get the balance. I get all that. But that's a game where you say, Tank's got a determination right here. We're going to feed him the football. And we're going to – we're going to – you know, we're, Finley didn't need to throw the ball 32 times. Um, no. And so I, that was very frustrating. And so obviously, you know, I know Tank's frustrated. Um Look, let's be real. They need tank, they need Tank Bixby to return next year. I have no idea. Pure speculation on my part at the moment. But Tank could go anywhere he wanted to. And yep. what you don't need is a is a season where it doesn't quite live up to billing. And then the games where he's on, he 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 gets the ball twenty times and he should have gotten it thirty. Um, again, Tank might not go anywhere. But 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 in this day and age with the transfer portal, you got to think about this stuff a little bit more. And it's 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 sometimes a little easier for a guy to say peace out and. Look, it's a brand new coaching staff. It wouldn't be that hard for Tank to 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 say I, to leave. Like you know, right. I mean, he's got buddies and teammates, and he loves Auburn. But I'm just saying, you got to think about that stuff sometimes now in this day and age. And so hopefully, that hasn't have a, a long lasting impact. Bottom line, Auburn should have won the game. No Bo Nix, no Anders Carlson, no Owen Papo, no B Kobe, no no Kobe Hudson, no Zion Puckett. But as banged up as they've been, still should have won the football game. They missed Kobe Hudson, but it it just didn't matter. Honestly. Decisions, decisions, and execution. It was a good balance yeah. of what cost Auburn. I think some execution on the defensive end and coaching decisions as well. Hoke, I'll be honest with you, man. And I, and again, this may be just me taking things for granted. When you read that injury list and you read who's not actually either made the travel squad or who's not playing, it didn't concern me one bit. Yeah, I, I, I it did not cross my mind that if Auburn played well that they would lose to South Carolina, period. You should have been able to roll up and play nothing but the twos and beat South Carolina. I, I, that's just that's just, that's just just me. I also think that you shouldn't lose to Mississippi, Mississippi State. You know, when it boils down to it, <laughs> this sounds like super arrogant, but it is what it is. And Alabama can, would say the same thing. Georgia would say the same thing. When it boils down to it, when if you've got a young man that is that is standing there and you give him two scholarship offers 
you offer him a full ride to Auburn and you offer him a full ride to South Carolina. Where do you think he's going to go? He should come. He's coming to Auburn. Yeah. Just like he would choose Alabama over South Carolina, just like he would choose Florida over South Carolina. To, to lose against South Carolina, regardless of how it happened and the way it happened, the fact that it did happen is, is inexcusable. It's below, it's below the benchmark. And you, you got to go back to the drawing board and you got to figure it out because I'll, I'll be damned if losing to South Carolina is going to be the standard. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, Carolina, I think, had one win over Auburn in the 30s um, and then had, I think, it lost like 10 in a row. I and mean, they're basically one in 10 going into last year. And now they've won two in a row in yep. two consecutive years, both in Columbia, but both teams that were not, not as good as Auburn, despite Auburn's struggles and Auburn's issues, neither one of these South Carolina teams were any good. I mean, really, no. they were, no. this, this South Carolina team is going to go to bowl. Cool. Congratulations. They are average in terms of college football. They're below average in the sec and um, you, you can't lose that game. Um, hey, all right, let's move to Harson because uh, that's three in a row. Uh, Auburn hasn't lost three in a row since 2012. Brian Harson has never lost three in a row as a head coach. He has now. Um, he was, uh, I, I'll tell you what, post game was interesting. We generally wait for a good 45 minutes post game to get him. He generally goes in, talks to the team, showers, we get the players, and then we get Harson. We got Harson almost immediately. So whatever was said in the locker room was real short. Um, he didn't have much to say and came. I mean, he was I had the zoom up and he showed up. and I was like, whoa, he's already here. So whatever he said in the locker room to the team didn't last long. Um, it was an interesting post game. Um, obviously, he's very frustrated, very frustrated. Kind of had I mean, it was close to giving some real short answers. He was asked about I won't name the reporter, but there's a reporter that asked him about tanks, big tank Bigsby's performance. And then not so subtly, basically suggested to Harson, hey, on that fourth and one, don't you think Tank should have been in there? Like, it wasn't like, hey, did you think about it? It was like, Tank probably should have been in there on fourth and one, don't you think? And uh, Harson responded and goes, yeah, he goes, he goes, yeah, well, that's a good idea. And then he answered the question. Um, and then he went on in his answer, he went on to say, yeah, that sounds like more of a comment than a question. Um, but, uh, you know, um, so he, he was not, you know, he's, he was not obviously thrilled. What do you make of where he's at? A lot of, a lot of fans on our message board are not happy. There's a lot of people that literally after one year, are like, Hey, can, can, will Washington take him? I mean, and I'm like, wow, what, like what world are we living in? Am I, am I, well, I mean, I get people are frustrated, but, but like you really, like we're, we're to the point in college football yeah. where. And I get it. I'm dealing with the with the zealots on our board. We love them. They're the diehards. I get it. All right. Like it's vocal minority and all that stuff. But you're not. I mean, wh where are we at with cultural ball that we can't look at Harson and say, "Holy cow, he didn't even sign his first class." Can we can we back yeah. off a little or just, where? Let's okay. just let's 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 pump the brakes. You know. I mean, I I'm like you. Hey, everybody has them. Everybody has the blowhards, right? Everybody has the. You know, if he's not winning the national championship. Year one, let him go. I I believe Brian Harson and his staff have Auburn moving in the right direction. I truly do. I also believe that Brian Harson 
has control of an absolute sleeping giant with regards to Auburn. And I say that in the sense of capitalization on the NIL, because this is it, whether, whether you agree with it or whether you want to deal with it or not, it is here and we better get on board. And also the fact that they are less than a year away from opening up a hundred million dollar football dedicated facility that will benefit Auburn more from a recruiting standpoint than I think any of us can fathom. So while Brian Harson, I truly feel is the man for the job because he brings an amount of discipline. He brings a presence. He brings a process oriented mentality. He is also capitalizing or being able to benefit coincidentally from the investment that Auburn has made in football and the other side of it, he's going to be able to benefit from the sheer passion that Auburn people have about Auburn athletics and that being from an NIL perspective. So I'm not, you know, look, don't, don't get it twisted. Now I hate losing three consecutive games. I hate losing to Mississippi state and South Carolina. I I can, I I can understand A&M. I can understand Georgia and Penn State and and most likely Alabama. I get it. That's where we are. But I certainly am not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You know, there's parts of these ballgames that, yes, you, you, you have some critique and they deserve it. They're getting paid a lot of money to make some mistakes. But we we've got to we got to let him get their process. We got to let him get their kids. We got to let him get his recruiting classes in. We got to let him continue to change the culture and get them bought in. Yeah. yeah. Let's why let, let's let's also remind people that the best coach to have ever coached collegiate football is less than three hours across the state from us at this point in time. Hope, do you remember what his record was in his first year in Tuscaloosa? I do. Seven exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, <laughs> if Auburn can follow that trajectory, everything will be just fine. You know? Well, and it, I also it, thought hey, about, you hey, know, you were I, there. I thought about Tuberville's first year, five and six, Last second touchdown to Appy State. I'm telling you something you played in. I mean, yeah. the next year you won the division. Next year you won the yep. division. It, it, look, dude, it, everybody just needs to take a deep breath. Listen, I, I was as pissed as anybody was last night watching that South Carolina game. I was sorely disappointed watching the Mississippi State game. I get it. I do. I get it. But let's, let's, let's let things unfold. Let these coaches and these players know that we love them, we support them, we're on board. Things will happen to the positive. Brian Harson is laying down the groundwork or laying down the building blocks for what we can perceivably say is going to be successful. And I believe that. I think he's the man for the job. Just take a step back, continue to most importantly, most importantly, Continue to pull for the kids. If they're wearing the jersey, love them. Pull for them. Don't care what the result is. They're representing us in our in our university, in our athletic department. 
know that we support them. We can be disappointed, but know that we love them and support them and pull for them. Things will get better. I'm, I'm vehemently confident in that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I like a lot of things about Brian Harson. I think there's a lot of things to like about him if he's given time. Um, he, he, he is a guy that needs the, the time to build what he's, what he's going to build. Now let's see how they close in recruiting. Let's see if he makes staff changes. That's all part of it. But as yep. far as Harson and, and as far as what it takes to build a consistent program, which is what you want if you're Auburn, nobody's asking you to build a dynasty, build a consistent winner. Um, which is what Gus didn't do. Gus would win nine or something and then win six or seven. And then, you know, they want you to win, you know, eight be the bottom and then go nine and 10, um, you know, every few years. I think Brian Harson's got what it takes to build a consistent winner. Um, people just need to take a step back. And look, here's the funny thing. If they go next week and they lose to Alabama 31-24 or, you know, 34-27 or something, watch how quickly – so many of those people go, well, that wasn't bad. That wasn't, that wasn't, that, wasn't, that, that, that gives me hope, you know, and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. So like, that's how fickle a lot, you know, all this stuff is, which is just, it's just the detriment to your own program being that fickle. You're going to kill your yeah. own program if you continue to be that fickle. And it's, and it's worse this year. Look, Florida just fired Dan Mullen, LSU, yep. USC, Washington, TCU. I mean, coaching jobs all over the place. And so, Man, I just I hate the world work because it just makes it makes every program you're in, and gosh knows we know Auburn's like that, where every little bump people are gonna go, oh, let's change. You know, yeah. I mean it's just it's gonna be exhausting and you're gonna I mean, this is I would say this is the time to let Harson try to build something. Um, because you, you do have good coaches in the West, Jimbo Fisher, Lane Kiffin, LSU will probably get somebody good. Um, but that's not I mean that that's I get it, but but You've got a guy that you believed in, um, well, that Alan Green certainly believed in. I don't know how many people other than him believed in him necessarily. Maybe that's part of the problem. But I think there's a lot to like about Harson and what what he what it's going to take to build a consistent program and what he brings, I think, go together. You just got to give him time to do the other things and judge him off of recruiting and hiring and yeah. firing. And, but that you got to give him a couple years to do that. That's right. In order, in order for, in order for you to be able to utilize the word consistency, yeah, there has to be, there has to initially be the ability to have repetitiveness, right? Well, if he's being based on games and seasons, you can't throw him out after just one season. There has to be one, two, three, or four in order for you to have that level of opinion yeah. for him as the head coach. So he, he's he's going to build consistency. I feel confident that he's going to win plenty of ball games and do well. And he he's he's he just needs time. Not a lot of time. Don't don't mistake me. He needs a couple of years. He needs recruiting classes, coaching changes and stability and cultural changes inside the locker room to where he builds it from the ground up. And everything everything will mold around that mentality and that philosophy. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a really interesting week on the Plains as Auburn prepares for Alabama. Um, the players will be fired up. I think it's, it's just, this is really on the coaches this week. They got to be dialed in and they got to get these guys um, re amped up and ready to play uh, and, and have a good game plan. They got to, they got to give these guys an opportunity 
to make plays against Alabama. That they they they've got to put them in better positions. And Harson took accountability for that. So we got to put them in better positions, in, in, in specifically finishing games. And so that's what the, that's what's on the staff this week. Alabama is obviously a better football team. Um, you know, is Kobe Hudson going to be back? We don't know. Um, if he's not, that just puts Auburn in a – I mean, it's going to be very tough. But the coaches have got to come up with the best scheme and figure out some ways to give players opportunities to make plays and see – and then just – and then just see what happens. And I think, like you said, for Auburn fans, I sure hope that they don't bail on the Iron Bowl. I mean, I you know, I think they will – they'll be there. It's the Iron Bowl. But I sure hope fans don't just pack it in put and sell their tickets. Um, yeah. Because, look, 2009, Auburn had no business being in that game. They weren't – that Auburn team was no better than this one. Um, and uh, and they almost beat Alabama, and Alabama won the national championship. Um, and, and so uh, anything can happen. And so um, generally the better team wins, but it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility that Auburn plays a very competitive game. But they need well, a fan base that, that thinks that they're going to do it. That would, that would certainly help. You you talk about the 09 Iron Bowl. Obviously, that's the that's a very much a case in point. But look, I mean, just go just as recent as the fact that yesterday, or excuse me, Saturday, Arkansas Arkansas gave Alabama everything they wanted. Yeah, Arkansas. Now Sam Pittman has done some phenomenal things in Fayetteville, and and Arkansas is a good football team. But if if that doesn't give not only Auburn fans, but most importantly the young man inside that locker room, a, a, just a glimpse of hope and a little bit of a shot in the arm that, man, if we, if we execute, if we don't shoot ourselves in the foot, we still have a slugger's shot. We still have a fighter's chance of just shocking the world. And you're right. It's going to be up to the coaches. It's going to be up to the coaches to maintain the, the attitude, to maintain some positivity from today until Saturday. It's also going to be up to the coaches to maintain positivity and can, and put them in better opportunities to win the game, to be successful or to be to be in a position to win the game because if they don't, it will be a bloodbath. And before you know it, you're down 28 or 31. But if you can just keep yourself close, keep yourself in contention and give yourself a chance, I I feel better about their odds in the fourth quarter being in Jordan-Hare than I do anywhere else in the country. Yeah. Well, should be a good one, man. Um, I'm headed to the beach for Thanksgiving. I'll be working from uh, from there, and then I'll come back on uh, Friday. I'll come back into town, cover the, cover the game. So um, I'll have some good weather for about three days. That'll be good. Brother. We're doing the same thing. We're going to North, Northeast Georgia for Thanksgiving. I'll be back Friday, uh, Friday evening. And regardless, we'll be, we'll be there Saturday for the Iron Bowl, man. Pulling hard yeah. for the Tigers. It's the Iron Bowl, man. It's a, it's a, it lives by itself, man. It, it, it should be an event and a, in a day among, uh, you know, regardless of, of the season. Um, no it's, doubt. It's no doubt. Day. No doubt. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Um, you got it, buddy. We'll do it again hope next you, weekend. I hope, uh, hope you and your family have a wonderful Thanksgiving, Hope. Yeah, man. And, you all, and all of the all the viewers and listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate everybody listening. AuburnLive.com, 
uh, go subscribe to the site, please. That'd be awesome. And uh, watch and rate our uh, our, pla- our uh, podcasts and we're on YouTube and all that good stuff. So make sure you're following us all of those places as well. All right, for Ben, I'm Justin. We'll see you next time. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.